see the picture of what God is doing. Now, I want to start you off with a verse in Romans 8. And most of you are very familiar with it. In verse 28. Because in that verse, two things are taking place. God's sovereign will and his permissive will. His sovereign will, it doesn't matter if man want it, don't want it, or whatever, that's what God's going to do. His permissive will is what allows you to have the free will that you have. And that you can do what you want to do within boundaries, limitation. That's his permissive will. That he allows you to function according to your desires and your wants and whatever you desire to do. His permissive will allows you to function. But his sovereign will is what he wants whether you want it or not whether if I want it or not. I'm not feeling my best today, but guess what? If I'm home, I'm going to also. So I just decided to come here and hurt and let the Lord use me however he wants to use me. No. And that's life. That's life. Every day in life is not going to be a perfect day. But it's amazing how God will give you strength when you make the decision just to serve him. In Romans 8, 28, again, his sovereign will, his permissive will, he says, and we know, and we know in all things God works for the good. In all things, no matter what it is, God is working for the good. The war over in Israel, God is working out something for our good. It doesn't look like it. Yes, a lot of people are suffering. A lot of people are having some horrific things happen in their life. And yet Peter explains to us, at times, we suffer for righteousness' sake. We suffer. We go through trials. We go through tribulations. We go through storms. And God allows those in our lives because something good is being worked out of it. We may not see it at that moment and at that specific time, but God is working out something. So he says, yes, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. For those who love him, he's working. And he says, who have been called according to his, what? Glory. Called for his purpose. Is it God's purpose for me to have pain? Is it God's purpose for me to hurt? Is it God's purpose for me to feel tired? Is it God's purpose that the heart is failing? Is it God's purpose that I... I have diabetes. Is it God's purpose that I take all the pills I have to take? Is it God's purpose that I get tired and sometimes just have to go lay down? The other night we were all laughing at the house and having a good time. And at a certain time I told everybody, okay, it's time to leave. 
Thought it was time for me to go lay down. <laughs> you know, and it was time for everybody else to go home and leave. <laughs> Goodbye. Time for me to go lay down. And the thing is, how does God work his purpose out? You know, and um, I remember my wife asked me, because she said next to me, and she said, why everybody got to go? I said, I got to go to work tomorrow morning, because I had forgot it was Friday night, and I was thinking it was Saturday night, and I got to get ready for Sunday, you know. But God was working it all out, because even this message, God's been working. So last night, as I was watching uh, the historical channel or PBS or whatever, they had these Muslim chaplains in the military. And one of the questions I've been asking, God, how will Islam slip in on us? And it showed all these Muslim chaplains now that are in the military today and even the conversions that are taking place to Islam in the military and the whole process in the Quran that it speaks once you get a certain power and control then you institute some, the certain laws you begin to take control and Sharia laws begin to take place and the God is saying these things are happening for a purpose. Because remember what scripture says? There's going to be a great falling away before Christ comes. There's going to have to be a great falling away from him. And that's not just the church people falling away. That's people out in society, those who have no interest in Jesus Christ. And guess what? In our society today, we are seeing people who have no interest at all in Jesus. A great falling away. And he says all this is for his purpose. For his purpose. Israel is for God's purpose. Hamas is for God's purpose. All these groups that are against Israel is for God's purpose. It is to show the glory of God, the power of God, the strength of God, and what God has placed. No man can destroy it. No man can destroy it. And that's hard for us to grasp. This one Inman here in the United States has one of the largest mosques in the United States down in Texas. And his question was the war. And who really owns the land? Who really owns the land? Does Israel have a right to that land? And unless you believe this, your answer would be no. Based on the very fact, the most powerful country or the most powerful group of people are the people who have the right to the land. There has been over 25 rulers over this land. Palestine has been ruled by 25 different empires. The real strong one, the last one, was the Ottoman 
Empire, the Turks. They ruled for over 400 years. Should they have the right to own the land because they ruled it for 400 years? Now remember, that doesn't take place to after A.D. 70, after God dispersed Israel from Jerusalem into many different countries. Then you have the Greeks. The Romans ruled for 325 years. David only ruled for 200 years. And we can go down through and see how many years each empire, each ruler, ruled over this land. The name of the land, before it was named Palestine, was Canaan. Was Canaan. And God made a promise to Israel. Now, unless you believe this, you don't believe the promise. I will give you the land. I will give you the land. Now, what you have to also do is ask this question. Show me another group of people that God has said to them, I give you land. He didn't say that to American. He didn't say that to those in Africa. He didn't say that to those in England, Germany, France. But God did say to this little group of people, I will give you the land. Go to Psalms chapter 24. Because the question comes up then, who has the right to give the land? Now, the question is, who really owns the land? And this comes to the question, if God exists, then he owns the land. If God does not exist, then he does not own the land, nor does he have any right or anybody have the right to give the land. But if God owns it, does he have the right to give it? And in doing so, he has to move one group out to bring another group in. And scripture tells us that's exactly what it is. But look at Psalms 24.1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it belongs to who? To him. To him. Now, if you are a Muslim, you don't accept that. You don't 
believe that, that God owns everything. The God of the Christians don't own everything. Allah does. Their God. Not our God. So what we have then is this battle, in a sense, between two faiths or two beliefs or two religions, which boils down to being Ishmael and Isaac. Which is very difficult for us to sometimes follow or even understand. That what we are seeing is cousins fighting each other in a sense. The children of Ishmael and the children of Isaac. Now, the Muslims say that the Christians changed the Bible by putting Isaac as the first son. And the first son really was who? Ishmael. The problem is, Ishmael comes through Hagar, who was of the slave woman. Sarah is of the wife, which Isaac comes through. So we have these two historical parts because the historical issue is that the oldest son, the first son, receives the inheritance from the father. Where, where Muslims think that should have been Ishmael, the Christian thinks it should be who? Isaac. And these two are now battling. It, came, uh, it can also be said that Israel and Palestine, they're at war. The Palestine is in a place and they're not a religion. The Palestinians are not a religion. Palestine is not a religion. It's a place. Islam, Muslim, that's a religion. There are, what we don't recognize, a lot of Palestine Christians and churches. And some churches have also been destroyed during this time in which this war has taken place. Every Muslim is not a bad Muslim. They are not a radical, fanatic Muslim. And many of them will describe themselves as one who desires peace. But the fanatic group, jihad, they will practice. They will kill every infidel. And they will push as many infidels as possible either to the choice of accepting Islam or dying. That's why it is said to push Israel where? Into the sea. You say, well, where is it that Christians play in that? The Christians play is in that we believe Jesus Christ will come back to Israel through that eastern gate and that Jesus will rule in Israel and that God himself is the one who calls Israel back 
into the land. Now again, the Muslims don't believe that. In the Quran, it is stated that Isa or Isa, who is Jesus, will come back and he will apologize to the Christians for deceiving them and lying to them that he was the son of God and that he was their savior. So they are also expecting Jesus to come back. Jesus is spoken of in the Quran over 25 times. Mary is the highest woman in the Quran. Islam or the Muslims do believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, but he's not God. So we are very close in some things, and people don't recognize that a lot of the Quran is copied from the Bible, but given a different twist to it. Therefore, Jesus, he came, and in Hebrews chapter 1, he says, there would be no other prophets that would come after Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 1. But for the Muslim, there is another prophet, Muhammad. And he then is the last prophet. The last one to speak for God. And the Quran is their holy book or their Bible. Yusuf Allah is an Indian Muslim before India ever broke into India and Pakistan. He was a great lawyer in England. And he was one of a few lawyers who could defend in the high courts in England. So he was not just an ordinary lawyer, per se, or attorney. His cases went up to what would be equivalent to our Supreme Court, where he would argue. But this is the number one seller of the English version of the Koran. It has been reprinted over 200 times. It is widely used by English speaking who cannot speak Aramaic or read Aramaic. This is their Bible. And it is widely, widely used by Muslims. Therefore, there are some verses that I've taken out of this. I'm going to read from this, but I'm also going to have some over on the screen that we're going to follow now understand this Philo and Josephus used the name Palestine this may have derived from the Philistines who are also known as the people of the sea and the Philistines were given the right to camp down in the southern part of this area by the Egyptians by Ramsey the third the Philistines were 
once called the people of the sea. History will tell us that. And they settled in the southern west coastland of the Palestine with the permission of Ramsey III. And by the end of the period of the judges, and we will follow history, by the end of the period of the judges, the Philistines were Israel's major enemies. And another name for that land, Philistine, was Canaan. Canaan. Yes, Israel had been ruled by 25 other empires. But the ultimate empire ruling the locusts. And the question that is still being asked today, who has the right to say who owns the land? The Quran, seven, chapter 7, mm-hmm. verse 137, And we made a people considered weak and of no account. Inheritors of land in both east and west. Lands whereon we set down our blessings. We sent down our blessings. The fair promises of the Lord was fulfilled for the children of Israel. The Quran basically allows us to know, yes, Israel was given the land. The difference between the interpretations is this. For the Christian, we hold that God has given Israel the land forever, as long as Israel exists. That would be their land. The Muslim's interpretation is this. God gave it to Israel only because they were righteous at a point. But they became sinners. They lost their righteousness. They transgressed the law of God. And God took them out of the land. Remember the captivity over in the Babylon? God took them out of the land. And God's intent for the land is this. is for the righteous people of God, the holy people of God, the submissive people of God who submit to the will of God will live in that land. Islam, what does it mean? Submissiveness to the will of Allah. Every Muslim sees himself as holy. Every Christian is trying to get there. But every Muslim sees themselves already holy. And that is the difference. That we see it as given to Israel permanently. They see it given to those who are righteous and really serve God. So Israel is spoken of in the Quran. Now, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 7. I want you to see how something is twisted. And yet how close they are. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 and 7. 
For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the people of the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. He says they are to be what? Holy. For you are a holy people. And Islam believed that holiness was lost. And that's why God wrote another book, sent another prophet by the name of Muhammad, who would raise up holy people unto Allah. And he says in that verse 7, The Lord did not set his affections on you and choose you because you were numerous than other people. For you were the fewest of all people. Look at the verse again now. And we made a people considered weak. They were the smallest group. They didn't have any mighty army. Deuteronomy 7 tells us. They were weak. They were small. They were the smallest of all groups of people. Considered weak and of no account. Inherit the land in both east and west lands where uh, we sent down our blessings. God blessed them. One of the things here, when they copied, they didn't remove the word in many ways or the thought of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So one of the questions sometimes Christian apologetics were argue. Who is the we? Allah is only one. Our God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit is one. And the question sometimes comes up, who's the we? We sent down our blessings. The fair promises of the Lord was fulfilled for the children of Israel. He took them into the land, but they did not continue to live in righteousness and holiness. And God then took them out of the land. The Quran, chapter 7, verses 161-162. And remember it was said to them, Dwell in the towns and eat therein. Ye wish, but say the word of humility and enter the gate in posture of humility. What did Israel do? They lost their humility and it was their pride. And it was their pride that said to Jeremiah and Isaiah, God won't do this to us. We are his holy people. We have his temple. And they thought their pride, their pride of who they were in name, Israel, the holy ones of God, the chosen of God, would somehow keep them or save them. And Islam said they transgressed. They became sinners. And God took them from the land. 
but say the word of humility and enter the gate in a posture of humility. We shall forgive you your faults. There's that we again. Now who is the we? But we will forgive you your faults. We shall increase the portion. Thou who do good. Thou who do good. And the Muslims believe that Islam, or that Israel did not do what? Good. But the transgressor among the change, the word from that which had been given them. Now that's talking about us. But the transgressor among them changed the word from which had been given them. So we sent on them a plague from heaven. From that they repeatedly transgressed. Go to Deuteronomy 7, 9. 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. Is he the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him? Now catch this last part. And keep his commands. And keeps his commands. They did not keep his commands. Go to Deuteronomy 14 and verse 2. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Out of all the people of the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession. But you did not value that. Deuteronomy 28. Verses 9 and 10. The Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he promised you on oath. If you keep the commands. If you what? And see, that if is big in the Quran. Because they did not do what? Keep his commands. Only if you keep my commands. He goes on and he says, If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all the people on earth will see that you are called by what? By the name of the Lord. By the way you live, by the way you walk, the way you act. Now, you have to understand, the Muslim world sees America as immoral, sex-deprived individuals. The reason their women still cover today that they cannot show any of their body for sale, except for at home. A Muslim woman who is truly a Muslim woman following the law will not shake the hand of another man. They will nod or bow, but will not shake hands. 
Because by law, the only people that can touch her is her husband, her dad, her brothers. No other male can touch her. In America, we just touch. And they see that as ungodly. And Israel did not keep. Boy, the time runs faster than I wanted to run. In the Quran in 21-105, before this, we wrote in Psalms, after the message given to Moses, my servant, the righteous, shall inherit the earth. And that's where they hold to. Then in 11, Quran chapter 11, 110, 113, the Jews say the Christians have not to stand upon. And the Christians say the Jews have not to stand upon. Yet they profess to study the same book. We say, and this is what Christians say, we're under grace, we're not under law. The Christians say, I live in the New Testament, not Old Testament. Yet God put these two books together to make one book, what we call the Bible. One is God speaking of what he's going to do. In the New Testament, God is fulfilling what he said he was going to do in the Old Testament. We need them both. But because we separate them, Islam say, we set out the same book, and guess what? We can't agree on anything. In the Quran 11, in verses 120, he said, Never will the Jews or the Christians be satisfied with thee, being the Arabs or the Muslims, unless thy follow their form of religion, unless they follow how we say they must be saved and worship the way we say they should worship, we would not accept them. They say become Jews or Christians, and if you would guide to salvation, say thy, nay, no, I would rather the religion of Abraham. Why? They believe Abraham was a Muslim, a servant of Allah. religion of Abraham, the true to join not gods with God. What are they saying at this little end part? We hold that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are gods. God the Son, God the Holy Spirit to them are not gods. But we join these idols, these things that we call God to what we consider the true God, the one God. And that's false. So they warn their people ahead of time, in a sense, don't get entangled with Christians. They're infidels. And they will not accept John 14, 6. Go to it. John 14, 6, and many of you know 
and is that area for many of us will quote two people and it simply says Jesus answered I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me and what they're saying unless you do it their way you will not be acceptable to them one of the worst things Christians can do is just hate Muslims because they are Muslims. You have to treat Muslims or anybody else who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ with respect and decency. And you have to do what Scripture says to love them, to be kind to them, be gentle with them, and really just befriend them that somewhere the Holy Spirit will turn the light on in their minds and their heart of their need of Jesus Christ. And in Acts 4.12, there is no other name given under heaven and earth whereby men must be saved. They won't accept that because we're trying to force them into believing something that they've been taught not to. Two things I want you to see. Because time is fleeting. This is a book that will help us to see God in history. Israel became a state in 1948. What we miss out on, that God started to work in the hearts of people in 1896, over 50 years before they ever became a state. God is at work. Because God knew the time in which he was going to draw Israel back to Israel. After World War I, in Jerusalem, the Jewish population was only about 25,000 people. That's it. All the other Jews were scattered throughout the world. Even Britain, between Britain and France, America did not get involved in what is called the Middle East. There was no such thing as the Middle East until after World War I. There was no Saudi Arabia. Many of those countries did not even exist. They were tribal. But what we have to look at sometimes is how God works. How many of you know T.E. Lawrence or Lawrence of Arabia? Movies about him, but how God used him. Lawrence's relationship to the Zionists. Now, the Zionists did not start in Israel. The Zionists started in Europe. Why? 
because of the persecution of the Jews in Europe. And the whole thing of going back to Israel came out of persecution from the Germans. The Jews were treated worse than any group of people you could even imagine had been treated. Lawrence's relationship to the Zionist movement was a very positive one, in spite of the fact that he was pro-Arab, and he has mistakenly been represented as an anti-Zionist. It was his view that the Jews would be of great help, now catch this, a great help to the Arabs, and that the Arab world should stood to gain from Jewish homeland in Palestine. And what he is saying is that if the Jews could regain their home in Israel, all the Arabs would be blessed by that. Go back to Abraham. And God said, your seed will be a blessing to who? To the whole world. To the whole world. Now, see how God works. Great Britain, World War One. It was basically Great Britain, France, and Russia in World War One against Germany and the other. The same month, Great Britain Foreign Secretary Sir Arthur Belfort sent to Lord Rothschild a letter of the British Jewish community, a letter that has become known as the Belfort Declaration. The letter contained a short but clear message directly approved by the British government. Now, what you got to see is this, how God is at work changing the hearts of people to do what he wants done in the life of Israel. His Majesty's government viewed with favor the establishment in Palestine of a national home for Jewish people. How did that come about? These people in high places in England all of a sudden are saying, boy, it would be great to reestablish Israel over in their homeland. Now, for over thousands of years, nobody had that thought. But at this point, around 1896 to 1914, the beginning of World War I, this thought begins to be played with. You don't find it in history anywhere else. Even the saying comes up from the Jews. Next year in Jerusalem. Next year in Jerusalem. Next year in Jerusalem. See, our God knows the time in which he wants to act in every one of our lives. Our God knows what he's going to do and what people he has to surround us with in order to bring things to pass according to his purpose and his plan. 
God is not up in heaven taking a nap. He says, I have a plan for you. And he works his plan out, even in the lives of other people, that his purpose might be accomplished. And what God is doing here is accomplishing his purpose through another country for another country called Israel. Now, Satan is busy, too. Verses 101 and 102. And when there came to them an apostle from God, that's Muhammad. Who did he come to? The people of the book. And in the Quran, whenever you read the word people of the book, he's talking about Christians or Jews. And when there came to them an apostle from God, confirming what was with them, a party of the people of the book threw away the book of God behind their backs. And as if it had been something they did not know. Now today, Christianity, guess what we've done? We put the Bible back here and we come to church with nothing. We come to church to be entertained. We come to church for catharsis. We come to church just to let it out. We don't come to church to learn about our God. And the purpose of church is to educate you how to live a godly life as a servant of the Most High God. But we put the book behind us And most of us couldn't find the book of Genesis if we had. And yet, he says, threw away the book of God, the people of the book. Who are the people of the book? The Christians. The people of the book threw away the book of God behind their backs. They followed what the evil one gave to them. Now, here is footnotes. And as I read through, I underline just like I do in my Bible. Footnotes, especially about people of the book or when it's talking about Christians. Why don't you hear what the footnote says? And time ran away. I think that by the book of God, there is meant, not the Koran now, but the book which the people of the book had been given. The previous revelations. What were the previous revelations? The Bible. What takes the place of the Bible? The Koran. The previous revelations. The argument is that Mohammed's message was similar to the revelations which they already received. And if they had looked into their own books, if they would have what? Looked and studied their own book, which we don't do. 
And we're wondering why so many Americans today, the number one religion growing in the United States is Islam. The number one convert from Islam are Christians. Are Christians. Or so-called Christians. The message was similar to the revelations which they had already received. And if they had looked into their own books, honestly, not deceptive, if they were really studied, if they really wanted to know the truth, if they were really sincere and sincerely, they would have found proofs in them to show that the new message was true and from God. But they ignored their own books. What did Christians do? We ignored our own book. We ignored their own books or, now catch this, twisted or distorted. Twisted or distorted them according to their own fantasies. Worse, they followed something which was actually false and mischievous and inspired by the evil one. One of the verses in Mark with the rich young ruler. And we'll pick up next week a little more. I don't know if I'm boring you or if I'm giving you insight and helping you. But one of the verses in Mark with the rich young ruler and the rich young ruler called Jesus Christ good and Jesus says there's only one that is good. Islam takes that and says Jesus is speaking the truth. He is not good. He is not God. There is only one that is good. And Jesus at that point is saying in scripture, he is not God. The only one that is good is the Father in heaven. Allah. And they take other verses where Jesus speaks very highly about the Father and not about himself. Then the argument comes up. The only place, and sometimes Christians run here to the book of John to speak about the I am's. And the Muslim will argue and basically say, the only book, and it is not even a gospel, although we call John also a gospel, but it's a synoptic, not a gospel. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are gospel, not John. But we've been taught all four are just gospel because they're before the book of Acts. He says, only in the book of John do you find the I Ams. And if the I Ams were really of Jesus Christ, would not the I Ams be in Matthew, Mark, and Luke? 
And what they don't do is the historical background of our books. That each one of those books are speaking to a certain audience. And they're answering questions of a certain audience. So to them, when Jesus says, I am, it is not referring back to Exodus, where God says, I am who I am. We have a lot of studying to do. We have a lot of work to do. Understand this now. At some point, your children or your grandchildren are going to come home talking about Islam. In America now, we have three Muslims in Congress. Akron has just voted for its first Muslim mayor. Within the United States, we have at least four to five Muslim mayors. The Inman says we will come into America not with war, but we will come in and gradually take control and we will educate. And at a certain point, then we will take over. Sharia law in a town in England, because over 80% of the town are Muslims today, that they requested of the British government that they could drop the British law and institute Sharia law in that town. Now, in America, we're saying, that won't never happen. That won't never happen. The question is, how much Islam will come after them? And we say, that won't never happen. We never thought we would have chaplains in the military when we're fighting against Muslims that would be in our military because as the chaplain said first, their first allegiance is not to America. Their first allegiance is to Allah. And that would be true. Our first religion, our first allegiance is not to America. Our first allegiance is to who? To Jesus Christ. Can we ask them to do anything less than what we would do? But, boy, is it coming in. It's coming. And we are the people who have to prepare our minds to speak to them and to win them to Christ. And understand this. This might be God's plan also for the latter days. Because the Antichrist has to have some type of form of religion that he's going to offer the people. And there will be a mark that will be given. Islam could be it also. Father, we pray that, Lord, for those who slumber in their Christianity, those who close their eyes and those who sleep, 
that somehow, Lord, that we might be able to awaken them, that we might be able to help them to think this through, that they might be able to see Israel as a time clock that you have placed there, but also, Lord, Israel as one that has been fulfilling the promises of God. That you are the one that have called them out of many nations back into their land. You are the one that protects them from all those who are around them who would like to destroy them. You are the mighty God that is working in your time. Help us to open our eyes and see. And Lord, if we're here today and we're not a believer, would you bring us to that point that we would see that we need Jesus Christ and that we would be a people who are simply willing to say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Save me. And that's all it is. There's no great thunder, no great show, but an act of your own belief from within that says, Jesus, I need you as Savior of my life. And receive him in. Now, Lord, we ask that you bless as we depart. Would you minister to us? And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, tonight at 5 o'clock, I look forward to it, but what I want you to do is come with your stories. Come with how God has blessed you in some way in 23. What has God done in your life? How has he sustained you? How has he kept you? What has God taken you through? And what we want to do is give him praise, give him honor, and lift him up. My story, not about me. It's about my God. Amen? Amen. Here's Thank you.